If you're a note taker, uh, this is just kind of a main idea today, that God has placed us in Cerritos to seek the welfare of the city by praying and serving, praying for and serving our community. So God has placed us here after all this journey, and I'll talk about that in just a second, but after all this journey, God has brought us to this point, and God has brought us to this city, that God has placed us in Cerritos. This wasn't a city we were begun, began in, or this wasn't a city we were you know, hoping for, or aiming for, but this is the city that, and I don't mean that we weren't, that we just didn't have a city that we were directed at. That sounded really bad when it came out, so <laughs> good thing I don't speak for a living or anything, right? But that God brought us here, and, and that we, we weren't targeting us or thinking through this, but as we arrived here, really, we, we began to fall in love with a city, and, and the, the placement of this across the street from the Civic Center, across the street from the high school, across the street from the town center, just an incredible location to be a part of a city that, that, is, uh, that is, does some amazing things. And so as we land here, we, we just want to recognize that it isn't our choice and that it wasn't a, a strategy of any kind. It was God that put us in Cerritos. And that because God has put us here, he's called us to do some things. And one of those is to seek the welfare of our city. And another is to be praying for our city. And we'll, and we'll see that as this passage unfolds a bit. So Jeremiah chapter 29, I'm going to go back to verse 1 and kind of work forward from there. It says, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now we are going to, as you heard earlier, start the book of Isaiah starting next Sunday. And we're going to work through, we'll spend probably more than a year in the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah is going to unpack for us uh, what, how we got to this point, if you will. And if you're familiar maybe with the prophet Daniel, when the people, uh, the people of God are, are taken over by Nebuchadnezzar, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, and, and taken into slavery. You know, Daniel, the story of Daniel is very popular. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, that's a very popular story. That's all during that time. And it's during this season that the, the people of God in the Old Testament had really had wandered away from God. And that they had not been followers of God. They had not been obedient to God. They had not been doing the things that God had called them to do. And so God, after a series of time of calling them back and calling them to repentance and calling them to turn back to him, and them not listening and hardening their hearts and, and walking further away from God, what happens is God just finally says, listen, here's what's going to happen. Either return to me, or I'm going to let the nations just come and conquer you. And again, obviously, they don't do that. The nations around them, Babylon, Assyria, we're going to see these, these countries come in, these nations and empires come in and demolish Israel and Judah. And when they do that, they're going to take people out of Israel, out of Judah, and they're going to take them back and enslave them. That's kind of part of the story we see in Daniel. We'll see all of these kind of play out in Isaiah. But here's what's now, you fast forward that story to Jeremiah, where we are right now, and the people of God have been taken out of their homes, they've been brought into a foreign nation under a foreign king, and now God is, is speaking to them. He's telling them, okay, now listen, now that you're here, because as often, as often happens with us, when things are really going well, sometimes we forget that it's God that got us there. Is that fair? 
Sometimes we're, we're out of work or we're alone and we, we're looking for a relationship or we're struggling through a problem and we're seeking God and, and then God provides in those areas. Maybe we get a job or maybe that problem figures itself out and God na- navigates us through this or that relationship we've been seeking, maybe God provides that for us and then we get caught up in that thing and we forget that it's the very God we prayed to that gave us that. And so as God gently calls them back and they're in exile now. They're starting to pray, God, what happened? And he's ex- been explaining, listen, I, I told you this was going to happen. This is, this is the cause, or this is the effect of, of your decisions. And so they're beginning to cry out to God again, but God says, listen, you're going to be here for a long time. You're going to be here for generations. And so it's in that context that God is speaking through Jeremiah, to the people of God. It says this, verse 2. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother and the eunuchs and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem. The craftsmen, the metal workers had all departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So just keeping up with that story, here's what's happening. God is speaking through Jeremiah via a letter into the people that are now in a new land. And and this is going to be their home. Most of the people that are going to hear this letter written will never know another home except where they are then. Maybe they came from Jerusalem and they were exiled there. Maybe they were born there already. Maybe that. But they will all live there almost exclusively. All of them will die in the place where they received this letter. So there's so a couple big differences here, and I just understand that when we speak about this, this was a unique thing spoken, spoken to a unique group of people who had wandered away from God and had been exiled, and now God is speaking to them in that setting. And so it's very different. We're not exiles, right? We as a church are not exiles that are now in some foreign land. So I want you to, there's a very different context here. But the things that God says to them are very relevant to us. Now, our journey, if you're, if you're visiting with us today, if you're our guest today, if you're checking us out or, or for whatever reason, our journey has a bit of that, if you will, a bit of wandering around. And, and uh, as Pastor Vinny said, there was a church that started in the 1950s in the Los Altos part of Long Beach and uh, started in a home and grew a bit. It was back in the days when churches were, were often started in drive-in movie theaters, and, and that, that's where that church started. Then they got property. They began to build part of their property. They built a little bit, and then they grew a little more, and then they built another portion. You fast forward through all that, and, and what happened was that church really saw some amazing days with 1,500, 2,000 people at times, and grew, and, and had a lot of prominence in the city of Long Beach. And then over generation after generation, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s go by, and that church just declined and grew older. Some of the folks that are here today were a part of that church. Some of our folks, that are, some of our seniors, in fact, were a part of that from from the time when they were young. And so I entered the story just, uh, just a few years ago, and the goal for the church was to grow younger and to reach new people. And they, they saw the, the writing on the wall, if you will, was we're aging out, and all our folks are dying, and we're not having children. You know, our, their kids have grown up, and they're either not in the church or not in that church. And so the, the church is shrinking and aging. They're doing lots of funerals and no baptisms. Right? They're doing lots of funerals, not really any weddings. 
And so really, the goal was to come in and to reach a new group of people. And that's really, if, if the, the name Generations comes from that. It's that we stand on the shoulders of the generations before us, and that our charge is to reach the next generation for Jesus. And so in that, the church, as sacrificial as they were, really, they said, listen, we have this big property. It's been run down for decades. It's, been, it's, been, it's become a burden to keep up. The right thing to do, the stewardship thing to do, would be sell this and then wait and see what God does for us. And, and I will tell you, the, most of the people that are a part of that are in the room today. And I can tell you this, <clears throat> we had every anticipation of selling and buying something back to back. That's not what God had planned. That's what we had planned, just so we're clear. But in the middle of that, three years ago, generations with birth. And, and, and in that, we, we spent some time really in a high school, in an elementary school, in some offices we leased. We spent some time kind of wandering around with really a sense of, and our, our elders would often meet and talk about this, that we just didn't have a sense of home. Today, that's, this is really three years later, this is the culmination of us praying for a sense of home. This is our home, right? And we, we got here, and it's just as when I bought a home for myself, going in, you fix some things, you do some things, you get some stuff up and running, and, and that's what we've done here, and, and this is that celebration. And so in some sense, we feel like those exiles who have wandered around a little bit, and we started here and ended here, but our journey has been one of, of great blessing. If I'm honest, our journey has been one of incredible blessing by God. Uh, we were able to sell and invest the money and even all the money it spent to be, uh, we spent to be a mobile church for two and a half, almost three years, that we were still able to pay cash and move in here and be here in our home debt-free. Right? And that's amazing for us. Yeah, that's... When I say that, let me, let me just say this, and that really isn't our doing. We stand on the generations of those who came before us, who were financially smart, who were good stewards, and now we're here, and our job, run the ball down the field, right? Our job, reach the next generation. And so there's some similarities in this passage, right? God speaking to God's people. There's some similarities. We've wandered around and done this. There's, there's some things that tie us together, but... But we arrive here in a place of blessing, not in a place of punishment by any stretch of the imagination. So we're here celebrating. The same words apply. They, they give us something to look at, but I just we're here for a different reason. I just want to make that really, really, really clear from the outset. Verse 5, it says this. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Here's what I want you to hear when, when you hear this. Imagine they're arriving in a place, and it, it isn't like our modern-day context where most of us will buy a house that exists or is being built by somebody else, and we will buy it, right? This is a place where they go, and they have no homes, and they're living in tents. And here's what God is saying. I want you to establish yourself here. I want you to build a house. Now, I don't know. I can tell you what it kind of roughly looks like to build a house today as it's in construction when I was younger, so I, I have an, an idea. But I have no idea of what it would take to build a home 3,000 years ago, really, without power tools and everything else. But I can just imagine right now, it takes a long time, right? To be fair to them, they probably didn't have to do any permitting. So maybe that evens out somewhere. I don't know. I, but anyhow, so. But a lot harder, right? But here's what, here's what God is saying. I want you to establish yourself here. I want you to 
build houses and live in them. And he says, plant gardens and eat their produce. Right? I, I want you to start work today that is going to benefit you in seasons to come. Right? If you're a note taker, do today things for tomorrow. God calls his people to begin building homes and planting gardens, causing them to view themselves as long-term participants in the community. I think that's what God would say to us today, that we are long-term participants in this community, right? That this is our home, that we should establish roots here, that we should do things today that that will have implications for seasons and years and decades and generations to come, that we should build things now that maybe even a lot of us sitting here will never see the full fruit of, but that we should start that work knowing this is our home. That this is the place God has placed us and that, that we can invest in this community, that we can build in this place, that we can plant, that in the future there will be a harvest. Verse 6, it says this, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. I just want you to note the generations being spoken of here. Imagine as he begins to speak to someone single, take wives and, son, and have sons and daughters, right? He's saying, if you're here now and you're young and you're single, I want you to get married and I want you to have children. I want you to raise those children here and they're going to raise children here, right? As, as God is speaking through Jeremiah to the people of God, he's noting there will be multiple generations that will call this place home. So a note for you, the next generation, consider caring for a city where our children and grandchildren will live. How can we provide a place for them to flourish as well? See, a lot of times I think as churches enter into a community, they begin to see what the community can do for them. They begin to look and see, well, how can we gain from being here? And I think everything in this passage pushes back against that and says, listen, I want you to create a place that you want to raise children and grandchildren. I want you to invest here in Cerritos and and then Norwalk, and Artesia, and Bellflower, and down into Los Alamos, Cyprus, where we came from. I want you to invest in the community, into Hawaiian Gardens, that has a whole different subset of needs than maybe the folks in Long Beach do. All the way up to Whittier, and out to where I live in La Mirada, and just that you would build a community, that you would give to the community around you. That you would provide a place that generations to come will grow up in, and it will be better because you were here. It says, verse 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. If you've been around generations uh, for any amount of time, when we went mobile, we, we ended up moving from Long Beach to Los Alamitos, and we kind of on the border of Los Alamitos and Cyprus right there, the, down into uh, Seal Beach for a summer One of the things we began to talk about is making a city better because we were in it. In fact, I said hypothetically, now if we ever leave Los Alamos, I didn't think we would. I thought we'd found a home. I thought that's where we're going to be. But even though we couldn't find land or anything, I thought that's where God had led us. And we just said this, listen, we want to be a part of this city so much that if we ever left the city, that they would miss us, that they would be bummed that we left. We got to see that. Like, I have email after email after email as we left the city of Los Al. Like, thank you guys for, for what you've done. Like, thank you for being a part of this. We're bummed that you're going to be in Cerritos. We hope we can still partner together. 
And we just told them, listen, we're going to spend the rest of 2018 like kind of focused right here, but that we still want to serve Losal. But we achieved that. We really got to make a city love us. Folks that didn't go to church, folks that weren't Christians or weren't faith-based, that didn't attend, just people that we got to serve and love, that we got to come alongside Casa Youth and Precious Life, the shelter, that we got to come alongside the, the city activities and partner with them in Spring Carnival and Winter Wonderland and do all those things that we got to do. We got to, we got to partner with a city so much so that that summer that we had to spend in an elementary school because the high school was shutting down the place that we met in, the city found us another home. Because we have been a blessing to them. That's what we need to be to this city, to Cerritos. So he says, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. In the welfare of Cerritos, Generations Church, we will find our welfare. By making this city better, it will grow and give health to our church. If you're a note taker... God calls us to care about the community we are in first, not just ourselves or our church. That we're called to give to the city more than we take from it. God gives a very practical starting point of praying for the city. Do you, or in fact, will you, in your time, will you begin to pray for the city of Cerritos? Will you pray for the city that you live in if you don't live in this city? But will you also pray, pray for this city as we are now being welcomed into this community, will you pray for Cerritos? Verse 8 says this, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill my promise and bring you back to this place. Now there's a lot here. In this passage, that's really just about the people in Babylon at the time. But here's what's going on and how it relates to us. There were a lot of people speaking on behalf of God, saying, we're not going to be here very long. Hey, don't get caught up here in Babylon where we're at now. Modern day context, there's a lot of folks that really, uh, that just don't see us as a part of a local community. Oh, we're, we're, we're looking towards eternity. We're looking towards heaven. And, and yeah, they're, they're, that is true. That is something that God has given us. But all throughout Scripture, we see God calling us to invest now, invest here, to live now. That this, the gospel he has given us, the good news of Jesus, isn't just for something far off in the future, but, it, but it's for today. You see, the gospel is just the good news of Jesus, the, the good news that, that God created you and loves you. And then no matter how far you run from God, that that love, will, that love exists for you. And so much so that, that God, like we just celebrated at Christmas, that God himself, God became flesh in Jesus Christ. That God came and dwelt among us and lived the life that we're called to live. And he died a death in our place to, to satisfy the divide of sin between us and a holy God. And that Jesus was crucified and buried and three days later rose from the grave. And then that resurrection offers us new life. A lot of times we talk about the gospel in four simple terms, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And we talk about how God created us and loves us, how, how sin has disrupted that and, and how Jesus came to redeem that. But it's that restoration piece, it's that last piece that we often miss, that God is not only redeeming and restoring us to him, but he's also restoring this earth. That God who created the earth still loves us 
and everything on this planet and desires to make everything right. Everything as he created us to be. And now that we have received that redemption, we get to participate in that. Whether that's in serving a community or rebuilding a home of someone in need or whatever that may be. The nonprofit we have that works with crisis teens and taking them out of situations they're in to getting them the help that they need and, and rallying around that, that we get to participate in the restoration of all things as we eagerly await that eternity with Jesus. But that we don't keep our eyes down the road, that we stay here right now, that we invest here and now. Verse 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Those of you that know me, there's, I have, a, I have a, a pet peeve, if you will, and, and it's probably maybe too strong of a word, but there are, there are those times where we see very promising verses out of Scripture just lifted out of their context and not placed within the context that they were written. A lot of times they become a too, too simple of an answer when someone has a problem. Well, God has good plans for you, plans to prosper you, and you're like, well, that doesn't really help right now, right? <laughs> Thanks. But my mom died. That we really, you know what I mean? Like, like walk with me in my grave. Something. Like, just understand that, that this quoting that verse isn't going to make magic, everything magically disappear. But the other side of that is, is we lift that per, part out of its context and we miss the context that it's talking about. Listen, you're here. This is your community. Pour in around you. Build homes. Plant food. You know, plant something that's going to happen later. Like, invest where you are. And then says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper, plans for your good, plans for you, plans you will benefit from, plans you will enjoy. But it's all in the context of serving within the community and loving the community God has placed you in. And we don't want to just lift that out of there and miss that there's more to that passage. So promises without context. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a great promise given about God's good plan for his people. But the promise is given inside the context of caring for the city in which they are in. Caring for the community in which God has placed them in. That if we want to see these good plans, plans of pride, if we want to see that, then we should read the passages before that say, listen, seek the welfare of the city that you're in and pray for it. Because in the city's welfare, you'll find your welfare. That's the context it's written in. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Listen, this is beautiful. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Listen, as the words of God to a disobedient people who are in the midst of struggle and turmoil, who have landed in a place not their own. So in a setting far worse than the setting we're in for sure. He gives them these beautiful words after calling them to invest where they are, telling them he's got good plans. He's a good God with good plans for his people. Jesus is a good God with good plans for us. He says, so invest, build, be a part of the community, and then I will bless you and prosper you there. And when you call on me, I'll hear you. When you pray, I'll hear you, and I will answer, and I will meet you there. I want to give you three things we really wanted to make today kind of short and just really be about uh, celebrating with the city and, and, and doing all that. And so I want to close with just three quick thoughts, and then we'll go back into worship and communion and all that. Uh, but let me give you three takeaways, if, if you would. 
build houses and plant gardens. We are called to add to the city whatever may be needed. What if Generations Church looked out over the next decade and asked what services the city needs that we could provide? I had a cool conversation with a buddy in the gym yesterday and was talking about uh, another setting. He was talking about that God is beginning to burden him for orphans. Right? I think if, just listen to the response there, right? Everybody's like, oh, yeah. Right? Well, what if? What if we were a church that could contribute in that way? Maybe that's not us. Maybe that's something else, someone else. But what if? What if we did these things? What if Generations Church looked out over the next decade and asked what services the city needs that we could provide? Next slide, Justine. Multiply and do not decrease. This is not just about growing a church, but rather multiplying our faith into others that we, others that we might be able to serve God in our city better. Growth here at Generations means being able to multiply our ability and serve this city. Growth here, health here, life here means that we can make a better impact on our city, care for our city better. Last slide. Praying for our city. We need to pray as a church. Several city and school officials are here today. Ask how we can pray for them as they lead our city. What a thing just to, just to go by and, and ask our council people or our school board members to say, listen, hey, as you lead our city, as, we, as we're the new kids, right, we're the new neighbor, we're here now, like, how can we pray for you? How can we serve you as you serve our city? Now, maybe in the future, that'll be some of us. Maybe some of us will be involved in those things. But for now, what an easy, simple, pragmatic, and practical, and yet powerful starting point that God gives us. How can we pray? How can we pray for our city? How can we pray for our board members, our city council? How can we pray for our staff, our mayor? How can we pray? And then let that allow us to find the questions like, how can we serve? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We're only here because of you. When we were still destitute and in need, Jesus, you met us. You came and you transformed us and, and, and loved us. And then you have called us to join you in loving and transforming others, loving and serving a city, caring for the needs of those around us, and even, as challenging as this verse can be, putting that first. Lord, help us to do that. Let us be good members of our community. Let us love our city and seek the welfare of our city and pray for our city. Because, Jesus, we believe you have sent us here. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.